everybody. How's everybody doing on this beautiful day? I uh, have some great, exciting news right off the bat. Square Coil and the AC Method might be getting some new headquarters. Uh, very excited about this. I've been looking for a building for God, five, six, I mean, maybe even seven years at this point in time. Uh, it's been rough. Been in escrow for one building. COVID hit. That screwed everything up. Uh, I was almost in escrow on another building. That fell through. So it's kind of been, you know, struggle. You know, it's been frustrating. And then finally, we just found the building. It seems to check every box. We're super excited. So we just opened up escrow last week. Uh, we're going to obviously have the inspection report come through. Hopefully, the termites aren't holding the building up. It's actually structurally sound. But if all that happens at the end of this year, we'll be moving. So exciting stuff. Uh, definitely growing and expanding. If you haven't taken up the chance to uh, download the book, please download the infrastructure booklet. Give you some tips and tricks on how to organize and structure your company. So please get on AaronClippinger.com and download the book. It is free, uh, easy peasy, and it'll help you guys out. So today, I want to talk about something that is super fun and super exciting. And here's the reason why. I read this, actually, I watched it on Instagram like three weeks ago. And it really has kind of changed my viewpoint, and I'm waking up a lot happier. Bradley had a good podcast, and he goes, okay, if I give you $1 million right now, would you be upset or would you be happy? So I want to think about this. If I were to give you $1 million right now, just cash, write you a check, well, how ecstatic would you be? Would you be in a really good mood? Could anything get you down? I don't think not. For the rest of that day, you would just be excited. You'd be pumped. In fact, let's tenfold it. If I were to give you $10 million right now, how happy would you be? There's just one little catch. You can't wake up the next morning. Would you take the money? No, you wouldn't. You're still going to want to wake up the next day. So what you're saying is waking up is worth more value to you than $10 million. Think about that. I have for the last three weeks. I will honestly tell you for the last three weeks, I've been thinking about that. And you know what I do? Every single morning when I get up, I have gratitude. I'm happy. I'm excited to get up. I'm excited to start another day that I might not have had that luxury yesterday. You know, the world's a crazy place. Things happen. Tragedies happens all the time. I don't want to get dumb and down on that, but it's, it is a fact. But the fact is, I got to wake up and I got to do this one more day. So that's really exciting for me. And when I thought about that, when he said that, you really put a value on it because, you know, we, you know, a lot of people covet money. We really like money. Money opens doors for a lot of things. So if you put it in terms of money versus waking up, it kind of hits home, doesn't it? You're kind of like, wow, I, I would rather wake up versus $10 million. So I loved his viewpoint on that. And I really want to talk about that personality change and that infectious personality because what I, what I thought over the last three weeks, while I'm waking up and I'm happier and I'm happier and I'm happier, my family that I wake up with is happier. My wife's happier. My kids are happier. They're in a better mood. They're in a better foundation as they leave to go tackle the world and society and school and their peers. They're just in a better place because they're happier. You know, when you go to out and you go to a party or go to a mixer and you're in a good mood and you get there, you're just in a great mood. Like everything's great. It's awesome. But if you're in a cranky mood, after a little bit, you just, now you're at an okay mood. I've never seen a person go to a party and then be in a worse mood. Like you're always going to go up. But if you already start up high and you go up even higher, how awesome is that, right? Now you're just pumped. You're the life of the party. You're the life inside your own head anyway. Life is good. 
that gratitude when you wake up in the morning sets the stage for the rest of the day. It really does. And so I start thinking about that and I said, okay, how can we put that into our business? How can we maneuver this? And so our business excels off of our good mood. So I started thinking about that and I started thinking about it even more. And one of the things is you need to surround yourself with people that believe in you. If you're the owner, if you're the visionary, you need to surround yourself with people that believe in you and believe in your mission. You know, dust off that mission statement. You guys are going to hear that word a lot, but dust off the mission statement. What does it say? Does your whole entire team believe in that mission statement? Do they believe in you and your cause? I hope you're saying yes. I hope you're saying a resounding yes right now, forever from your wherever you're listening from. But your team needs to believe in you. But it's a two-way street. You have to believe in them too. And how you believe in them is starting to come with an infectious personality. Come with something that's fun, something where somebody wants to be around it. You know, one of the worst things I could ever think of is you come into work, you start working, your boss walks by, he's cranky. He's like, what are you doing? What's next? What's going on? And you notice has that demeaning attitude that puts you on the defensive, that puts you on your heels. You're not as productive. You're watching your six. You're not just moving forward. You know, that will ruin a person's day. Actually, it would ruin my day. And so you as the owner, as the visionary, as the manager, your job is to have that infectious personality that people want to be around. They want to believe in you. And you know, step one is waking up with a good attitude. So let's say you start waking up with a good attitude. I want you guys to try that just for this week. Try it. Seven days. From now until my next podcast for seven days, I want you to wake up with a good attitude and just say, I'm happy to be alive. I'm lucky to be alive. And I want you guys to see how the world's going to change. It's not going to change on day one. Because what's going to happen is if you normally wake up in a mood, people are just going to stand back and just look at you for the first two or three days. Okay, what's wrong? When's the other shoe going to drop? When's the screwiness going to happen? You know, they're going to be still be on their heels. After a while, they're going to start to let their guard down. They're going to see the positive effects that happen. So once your family starts to see it, your business is going to be a little bit be secondary. Now with business, people can't speak their mind because they're at work. So they have to be a lot more um, understanding of different personalities. They have to be more, um, I'm looking for a word here. I'm going to fail. English language fails me right now. What am I looking for? Um, basically just that they'd be more forgiving, but at the same time, just because they're forgiving doesn't mean they start to blindly follow. But if you have that happy personality, they're going to start to follow it. They're going to start to be around you more. And then they're going to start to believe in you. And that two-way street goes both ways. You have to believe in them too. I remember when I was 16 years old. No, I was 17. 17 years old was my second job ever. Um, and they asked me to drive a truck and do a delivery. And I said, I can do it, no problem. I can drive the truck. I can find the house. I drop it very cleanly where no one's going to hit it. No one's going to you know, have a problem. And I can get back here. The truck will be one piece. And I watched the boss just kind of look at me sideways, glance. He goes, yeah, you're too young. And he looked around, he couldn't find anybody. He says, all right, we'll give you a shot. It was almost a backhanded compliment, but I didn't care. I got to prove myself. And so I took, I took the truck, I took the lumber load, I drove out to the job site, I dumped the load, I got the customer to sign off on exactly, I, you know, I dumped the, the lumber stack right where he wanted it. I came back, 
you know, no accidents, no traffic fines. The truck's back in one piece. And I came back to the boss and hand the key said, all done, sir. Thank you very much. And then I walked away. I didn't want the in-your-face recognition right there. I wanted him to really think about that, that I was capable of doing it and I could do it. I needed him to believe in me. So when I talk about that two-way street of they need to believe in you, well, 100%, you're paying them to believe in you, but you need to believe in them just as well. So I want to you know, talk about that a little bit more. And I, I have a story that goes along with this. When I was very, very young, I was about seven or eight years old, we were surfing. My, my family had gone down the beach. We were surfing. My dad went out surfing and I didn't have a surfboard yet. I only had a boogie board. And the waves are about three to four foot and they were kind of crunchy. You know, it's kind of a good size swell. So th there was some movement in the ocean. If you didn't know what you're doing, you could get sucked up in a riptide. You get sucked up and pulled out the sea. I wouldn't say pretty easy, but pretty darn easy. And so you had to be smart about it. And I remember telling my dad, I said, let me, let me pile out with you on the, on the boogie board. Let me pile out and just sit in the lineup with you. He goes, nah, you're going to get crunched. It's, it's not for you. Don't do it. And so he, he said, no. I sat there for an hour and watched him surf. And then when he came back in, I said, how was he? He goes, oh, it was actually really simple. You could have made it. And I'll never forget that. I was, I was so bummed that I didn't go out to be out with my dad. I didn't get to hang out with him in the surf crowd and be a surfer. You know, it's such a cool thing when you're eight years old. As I got older, I realized why well, I was really upset. He didn't believe in me that I could do it. He didn't believe that I could pull through. So as you're going through your work day, you need to have some faith in your teammates that they're going to be able to do it and get it pulled through, especially if they show gumption to do it. If they're behind the desk shaking like a leaf when you give them an assignment, yeah, they may not have the stones to pull it off. I get that. But if somebody actually comes up to you and says, hey, I, I want to do this. I can get this done. You got to give that leap of faith. You got to take that leap of faith and, and jump through and be able to say, all right, let's try it. This is how I would attack it. How would you attack it? Give them some highlight reels, some bullet points, and then let them go. Let's see what happens. But you are going to make somebody that trusts themselves, trusts their judgment, trusts their intuition, which in the end is going to make you a lot more money and the company a lot more money because they trust themselves. I will tell you right now, I have no. Yes, man, working for me in my, either one of my companies. All of them are self-starters. Every single one knows what, what they want to do. They know what's going on. They know the end goal, and they attack it, and they move forward, and they complete their assignments. I do not have to come in and at any point in time say, this is what you're doing next. Okay, this is what you're doing next. Oh, you did a good job. This is what you're doing next. No way. We're going to train them to think on their own, act, talk, walk on their own, and do the assignments without any supervision. I have self-starters, and there's a major reason for that. That's how I scale and grow. There's only one of me. There's only one person here that's talking to you right now, and I only have so many hours in the day. I have the same amount of time you do, but if it's sucked up by a bunch of taskmasters, there's no way I'm going to be able to get anything done because I'm constantly following them around. It'd probably be easier in the end if I just did the work myself, in all honesty. So I need to have self-starters. And how I have self-starters is I believe in them. So it is a, it is a circle and you got to make sure that you're feeding that circle. So it constantly is evolving and, and spinning around because that's how you're going to grow and scale your companies. What do we call that? I call it culture. That's the culture of a company. That's exactly what we're trying to do here, right? We're trying to create self-starters that are happy, that are on point, that know what they're going to be doing. That creates a culture and that culture is infectious and it can be good infectious or very bad infectious. You know, we've talked about this before. If you have a cancer in there, and I call it as a person that's cranky, that's dull, you know, they come in and are, oh, 
going on. You know, their shoulders are drooped. Their whole posture says they don't want to be there. They look like they haven't gotten sleep in days. Those people will drag down a good mood. But if the people that are happy, those are going to bring up the mood of the company and bring up the company and the culture. You know, I, I, the people that are cranky, I try and get rid of them as fast as possible. They're a cancer inside my culture and I want to exercise them as fast as possible. And so they're not a part of it. But a good mood makes you your culture. And that's your job. And I don't care where you are in the totem pole of your company. That's your job to bring that happy-go-lucky attitude into your company. Everybody can do it. You know, I have a guy that's, that's here that runs the routers, does a lot of programming. And over the last two or three months, he has decided to fist bump everybody and say hello. That's something that he started. I didn't ask him to do that. He did it on his own. I'm happy when he comes toward me. I make sure I find him and say hi to him and fist bump him back and say hello and see what's going on. That's, an, that's a positive, infectious personality right there. That's somebody that you can build a company around because they want to get something done. They're happy to be here and they're moving forward. Crazy how a fist bump can change something, right? Did for me. I'm excited. I'm excited to see him. Excited to be happy. And I start to watch other employees around him be happy that they're around him as well. All because he decided to take the time to say, hey, how you doing? And say good morning. I got four things that I really want to dive into. One, two, three, four steps to make your infectious personality stick. And it kind of adds to all of it, but these are very black and white facts. The first thing to make a self-starter and to work on the infectious personalities is a very basic thing. Does your team know what's expected of them? Basically a simple question, right? Do they know what is expected of them? I think that most companies explained it once nine years ago when they were hired and never went back again. Is that you? It's not good. We got to fix that. It's something we got to do. You need to go back consistently and tell them what is expected of them. Quarterly, half yearly, at the worst yearly. But you need to give them a goal sheet and a quota sheet of what was expected of them. You know, for us in the custom industry, we have a full metal department. In that metal department, what is expected of them is to build the sign inside of the allotted hours that we gave them off the estimate. That's number one. Number two, keep their craftsmanship on point and don't go below our standards. Number three, keep their area clean and their tools working. Number four, let us know if any of the tools are broken. That's what's expected of them. Now, what I just rattled off as an SOP, Standard Operating Procedures, basically a little checklist of what's expected of them. Do you have an SOP for your company for each one of the different departments? I will honestly tell you that my written one is probably 13 years old, but my verbal one is very current, and I verbally talk to my team. Should I do both? Yeah, yeah, I should, but there is only so many hours in the day. But at least I am verbally telling them this is what's expected of them. If they know their parameters, then they're going to set it up. A perfect example is my three-year-old. My three-year-old son, his name's Case. He is in his terrible threes. I don't know where the psychologist got it from. There is no terrible twos. It's the terrible threes. And he's pushing all of his boundaries and all of his limitations right now. And you set him down, 
And right now he's into snacking. Oh, he loves his snacks. His crackers, his cookies, his chips, his guacamole. Oh, he's got to have it. You know, he's got little crackers and he snacks all the time. So when dinner comes, guess who's not hungry? And he'll sit there and whine and cry. Now, we do the best to take the snacks away an hour before dinner, so he does have a little bit of an appetite, but even then it holds him over, and so he fights. So the whole rest of the family's done in 15 minutes. Case is 40 minutes before he's done eating his meal. Painful as hell. But he's going to eat his meal. Why? Because that's the boundary of you eat your entire meal, you eat your entire plate before you get off the table. I'm not going to lie. We didn't evolve that much since three years old. We're still pushing up boundaries. What can we get away with? What can we not do and still get the reward that we wanted at the end? At some level, all humans are like that. If I stay in my PJs all day today, can I still get all my assignments done? You know, we think in those terms. It's the same thing. So if you guys say what's expected of you and you keep telling them what's expected of them, they have a better chance for success and they have a better chance. And now when you have your parameters around you, you know your lines, what not to cross, you're actually a lot happier. You're actually a happier person when you know what's expected of you. If you have to guess every millisecond of what to do next, you're not going to be happy because you're going to be a little anxiety-driven and be a little worried. What, what should I do? So along with that infectious personality being happy, do you know what's expected of you? Number two, have you given your team the correct tools to be successful? Now, I'm going to tell you this story. I heard this from a, a speaker about a decade ago, maybe even longer than that. And it's such a good story that I'm not even going to water down. I'm not going to change it. I'm just going to say in the first person just like he did. And I love this story. He goes, I was traveling the other day. And I, and when I travel, I don't, I'm not a fan of traveling. I don't like the airports. I don't like the people. I don't be so close into it. So I, ha I give myself a reward at the end. And the reward is a vanilla milkshake. And as long as I go traveling, no matter what happens, it's not a big deal. So I go to the airport, my flight gets delayed. No big deal. I sit down, they don't give me a water for the first two to three hours. No big deal. I get there, I lost my luggage for about a half an hour, then I find it. No big deal. I get to the hotel, I take my shoes off, and I grab that phone. I call the hotel concierge, and I say, I would like a milkshake, please. No problem, we'll transfer you over to the kitchen. I transfer over to the kitchen. And Scott answers the phone. Scott's super excited. He's super bubbly. He goes, hi, sir. How can I help you? He goes, I would like a vanilla milkshake, please. Scott goes, oh, I'm sorry, sir, but we don't have a vanilla milkshake. Now, at this point in time, I am dumbfounded because that was my reward and it's gone. So I just go, oh, okay, Scott, thank you. And I hang up the phone. And I'm just sitting there. My hand's still on the phone. I'm sitting there going, you, you got to be kidding me. My world's coming to an end. I'm crushed. This was my reward. This is why I put up with everything. Why am I not getting my reward? And all of a sudden, something dawned on me. Call back up. Scott gets on the phone. Very excited. Very happy to help. Hi, sir. How can I help you? I said, I would like some vanilla ice cream. Do you have that? He goes, yes, sir. Right away. I would like a big glass of milk. Can I have that? He goes, yes, sir. Right away. Is Scott an idiot? Because for all the rest of the people that haven't figured this out yet, how you make a vanilla milkshake is vanilla ice cream and milk, and you spin it together. Or is Scott very intelligent and really wants to help me, and his boss did not give him the correct tools to be able to fulfill the order? I love that story because it really makes you think. In all of the things that you do at your company, 
have you given your tools the right, you know, your team the right tools? I always think about that because, you know, you go to McDonald's, they have a picture of a burger, they have a picture of fries, and they say small, medium, large. Like it's, it's so, you know, stupid proof. You go burger, fried, click, done, and that's it. Did he not have a vanilla milkshake button on his machine? Did he not have it? I'm voting that he didn't have it, but he also didn't have a checklist either. So at the end of the day, I don't think Scott's an idiot. I think he's a very smart individual, and he's very motivated to be best customer service of the year. He just didn't know how because he didn't have the correct tools. So as you're building your team and your efficiencies, I want to ask you, have you given them the correct tools to be successful? Does your sales team have the right marketing tools to be successful? Have, do they have the latest, greatest technology and product at their fingertips to be successful? Do you organize your company in the right software system to make sure they're successful? If not, you can always look at SquareClaw. Just saying, I know I have a vested interest in that one, but that might be the great place you want to start there. But if you give them the right tools to succeed, you're going to be a lot better off. And the last thing I do want to talk about is, have you given them recognition for jobs well done in the last week? That's a hard one. I do this, I'd say, 70% of the time. The other 30% I do fail. It's a very difficult one. I This, as easy as it sounds, I feel like this is almost as hard as trying to find the perfect golf swing. It's just almost impossible to hit every single time. Because so much stuff pulls you in different directions from personal life to work life to new clientele to HR to payroll to whatever. And the next thing you know, you're running all over the place. You're having closed door meetings. And the week gets by you and, you, and your, uh, your team leaves for the weekend. But try and give recognition every week. Believe it or not, that recognition will be more valuable than their paycheck. Tell them you're doing a good job. Tell them they're starting to exceed and excel in what you expect out of them. The positive reinforcement helps. Remember right at the beginning, the gratitude? Getting up to be happy in the morning? That same gratitude for them for doing a good job, a uh, job well done? All that ties in together. It's all part of that synergy of what we call culture. But it all starts with you. So put a smile on your face, be in a good mood, and we'll talk to you next time.